great message by Dr. Tim. Wow. How many of you were not here last night and are willing to repent? Well, we welcome you. Uh, the proclamation to Israel, uh, I've already given over 20,000 names to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and uh, he was deeply moved by it. And uh, what we do, um, we've been uh, printing these up and putting the pastor's name and the location and the speakers of all the conferences. And uh, it's really touching their hearts. And uh, all we need to do, you read it, and then if you want to say, okay, put your name on it. Don't put Mr. or Mrs., just each name. Amen? Good. And if you don't believe it, don't sign it, please. Amen? By the way, um, when you, whenever you commute anything to Israel, uh, I always have a story I tell people. Uh, in 1979, I spoke for Prime Minister, then Prime Minister Menachem Begin, at a Congress uh, for 2,000 Jews in Jerusalem. Uh, Major Haddad Sa'ad of the Lebanese forces was there for his first visit. And uh, I spoke about Israel and its land. And it's in that booklet back there. Anyway, uh, he invited me to come and meet the cabinet. And I thought, well, it'd be about five minutes. Turned out to be almost two hours. Uh, Prime Minister Begin uh, studied prophecy, and after the Shabbat uh, was over, every Saturday night he'd have a Bible study in his home by his rabbi, Rabinowitz, and they would study prophecies. And I was astounded. He knew prophecies both in Hebrew and English. He was very well acquainted with it. And he asked me a lot of questions. We had a lot of fun. And uh, so I told him, I was just trying to be warm and, you know, to everybody and meeting the cabinet. And I said, you know, I'm thinking of coming here and living in Israel. He said, no, you have to know him. He was a very aggressive terrorist. That's why he and Sadat signed a peace agreement together. They were both terrorists. They would have blown up their mothers if they had to. But anyway, he said, no, you don't come here. I said, why? He said, well, you do more for us speaking out. And he said, besides, your dad was Jewish, but your mother was a Gentile. I said, you know all of that? He said, believe me, we Jews know everything. <laughs> so I started to walk away, said goodbye. And he said, oh, by the way, we do have you back in the camp again because you married a Jewish woman. So we welcome you back. But I tell you what, you continue to do what you're doing around the world, but you can leave your wife here. Now, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to do that with that old guy. But anyway, uh, a little reminder, when you sign your name to something, let me tell you, they will know who you are. I recently got, uh, you know, I believe in supporting Israel and its enterprises. And so I got my uh, Israeli credit card. Amen. Isn't that nice? Oh, now you want one, huh? Amen. Uh, but proceeds go to support Israel. And uh, anyway, the guy from Israel called me, and he said, well, thanks a lot for the card. I said, oh, are you calling for information? He said, what? He said, you've got to be kidding me. We all know about you, everything about you, your children, your grandchildren, all of it. 
I said, well, where do you get this information? He said, we have ways. We have ways. So when you get involved with Israel, they check you out. Believe me, they check you out. Okay, now several of you have been asking me questions in between. This is not fair. I don't give advanced information. You have to wait until I teach it. Then you can ask me whatever you want. So a lot of you have been asking me a lot of questions, and I'm going to talk about it right now. And about what will happen to Israel. That's a big subject. And as you know, there are 90% of all the churches in North America, at least you should know, believe in replacement theology. Many of the people don't even know they believe it. That means they think the church has replaced Israel in God's prophetic program. Now they haven't. It's the same problem, the same kind of lies they tell about Arabs. Several of you this morning were asking me about the Arab nations. There are no Arab nations. There are Islamic nations, but there's no Arab nations. And several of you got upset because I mentioned that last night, so you were telling me your knowledge of it. You said, uh, what about Iran? Come on, it's in the news. Iran is not Arab. You know, we're rewriting our history books. Do you know that? Why don't you just go to the most accurate original document? It will tell you everything you need to know. The Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. Uh, their name before the Islamic Republic of Iran, which came in the 70s. By the way, I was there in the revolution and was arrested. But anyway, uh, that country was called Persia. Then before that, it was Elam. Elam is a relative of Abraham. Whoa, they're connected. Anyway, you say, well, what about Iraq? They're Arab. No, they're not. They're the descendants of ancient Assyria and Babylon. They have no connection with the Arabs at all. You say, what about Syria or Lebanon or Jordan? No, they're not Arab either. Uh-uh. I know you, you think that, and some of those people even think it, but they're not Arabs. By the way, Arabs live in all these lands. Uh, Egypt, they're Arab. No, they're not. That's ancient Misraim. They don't come from uh, Ishmael at all. I, we're, we're just not clear. We're not thinking. Saudi Arabia, there's your Arab nation. No, it's not. They're the descendants of Sheba and Dedan, the grandchildren of Abraham's second wife, Keturah, after Sarah died. You understand what's happening to us? And then in our newspapers all the time, and by the way, journalists definitely don't know this. And when they call me and I tell them, that they just, they think I'm wacko. They always say, is there someone else there we can talk to? You know. <laughs> Arabs are the descendants of the 12 sons of Ishmael. Read your Bible. And God has great blessing for them in terms of numbers and products. And by the way, just for the record, Islam destroyed a beautiful Arab culture in the 7th century AD. The Arabs were leading the world in mathematics and in the arts and in music. And they destroyed it, got rid of all of that. They call Arabs kafir like they do Hindus in India, a person that's worthless and they can kill anytime they want. Wake up, people! The problem, well, I'm getting into the message already. As usual, uh, Dr. LaHaye connects his message with mine, and he doesn't even know it. Could it be that God is at work? But anyway, he read Matthew 24, if you'll turn there, please. 
Matthew chapter 24. I've got a lot of references today, so keep your Bible handy. Matthew 24, 21 and 22. He gave us also all the descriptions about this period we call the tribulation, so I'm not even going to do that. He's already done it. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to Israel. Is Matthew 24 and 25 about Israel? When there are thousands of pastors who say, no, it's about the church. Well, go to chapter 23, please, for a moment. And you'll notice, glance down your chapter at all these woes. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Hello, those are Jews. Amen? Got that straight? Now, he even talks about the martyrs throughout the Old Testament history in verse 35, from righteous Abel, which was in the book of Bereshish, or you know it by its Greek name, Genesis, all the way to the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias. That's in Second Chronicles, which is the last book in a Jewish Bible. So Jesus just told you what the Jewish Bible, how it's organized. Then, verse 36, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Is that referring to the people he's talking to? No. In the context, it's referring to Israel. If you're still not convinced, look at the next words. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, how often I would have gathered ye. The phrase, this generation, appears 16 times. There is no doubt about it. It's referring to Israel. It's a Greek word, genia, or genos, from which we get our word genealogy. But it really is referring to a race of people. It is not referring to a period of time. That's where Bible prophecy teachers have gotten all messed up. Like the book that said, 88 reasons why the Lord is coming on Rosh Hashanah, 1988. It sold three and a half million copies. It's not selling well right now. Now, the guy who wrote it wrote another one when he didn't come and said he was a year off. He was coming on Rosh Hashanah 1989. He sold another 350,000 books. Now he retired with his prophets to his cabin in Louisiana, and none of us have heard from him since. Hey, the head of Family Radio said back in 1994, he's coming on Rosh Hashanah 1994. He almost lost his whole radio ministry over that. By the way, he's back at it again. He said 2006, he missed that one again. Now he's on the 2012 issue, the Mayan Civilization deal, which has a movie out this weekend. And we all can't wait to go see it, right? <laughs> oh, that we shut down early today so we can get out there and see it. It's life-changing. Give me a break. Jesus said, you don't know the day or the hour. We got all these preachers telling us about the month and the year. You know one thing, they're all Gentiles. They're not Jews. Why? It's a Jewish idiom. When it says you don't know the day nor the hour, you don't know anything. You don't know the week. You don't know the month. You don't know the year. You don't know anything. And everybody wants him to come on Rosh Hashanah. But he said at an hour that you think not. So I suggest the day before and fool everybody. <laughs> but I'd like to see him come today. How about you? Amen. Amen. One guy told me out there, what are we going to do about MasterCard? Are you kidding? Leave the, leave the debt to the Antichrist. 
I did not say Obama was the Antichrist. But he sure is a prototype. But anyway, uh, uh, they, no, 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 no. Anyway, <laughs> you're going to have to have lunch before you hear my message on the Antichrist this afternoon. Okay, let's get serious. Verse 21 and 22. In fact, the whole Olivet Discourse is about Israel, primarily about Israel. It's Israel that he tells to get out of Jerusalem when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Are they going to have a temple? Well, sure they are. What do you think the temple Mount Faithful have been doing all these years? They got all the furniture. They got all the, the incense. They got all the robes. They got all the utensils. The instrument, all of it is done. But those guys are getting very occultic now. And I've talked to the head of that, Kaim Richmond, and it's now more of a problem, and I'll tell you why. Because he's now the Nazi of the Sanhedrin, the newly established Sanhedrin, just like they had in the days of Jesus. Back at it again, and the government of Israel is allowing them to handle all moral and family issues. Well, their main issue is the temple. And Kayum Richmond is the head of the Temple Institute and, very interestingly, is the Nazi or the president of the Sanhedrin right now. I sat down with him in Israel for two hours and I discussed with him the problem because they're now teaching people uh, God wants the Jews to build the temple on the Temple Mount and uh, in order to receive the Messiah. That isn't the way he started. So I confronted him. I said, you know what? You are going to receive a guy who claims to be the Messiah, but it's a false Christ. It's a tribulation temple. It is not the one the Messiah is going to build. He will not need your help to build his temple. Zechariah 6, 12, and 13, which he knows by heart in Hebrew, in that passage it says that he's both king and priest, and he will build the temple of the Lord. So we got ourselves a problem going on, but I'm excited about it because it's all about prophecy. Are we going to have a tribulation temple? We sure are. Then another one of you asked me the question. I'm answering questions now in case you didn't know. You asked me the question, well, how long would it take the Jews to build the temple? Like you think our buildings? Are you kidding? The Jews will have it up in a week probably. You say, how could they do that so fast? Well, they don't need to import rocks. See, when God made the world, he had an accident when he came to Israel and dumped all the rocks there. <laughs> they won't take long. By the way, the Clintonian plan, yes, that's Bill Clinton's plan, is still in the peace process. That is the one issue Israel wants. What is that issue? To have a temple on the Temple Mount. That's why the Palestinian Authority and the Muslims are saying there never was a Jewish temple there. There never was a David or a Solomon. And they've been destroying artifacts right and left. And uh, they also said the Temple Mount belongs to the Muslims. That is a lie. That Muhammad was in Jerusalem. No, he wasn't. You didn't make it up until 1948. And then in 1967, they really panicked when the Jews got the Temple Mount. And so they made up a story about uh, Muhammad who came on his horse at night, tied it up there or something, and then ascended into heaven. It's unbelievable. Uh, they respect Jesus, but he's a little less than 
Muhammad. I don't know if you know the Muslim view. They have a website for evangelicals if you'd like to read it, islam.tc. And on there it says, if Israel continues as a nation, then Islam is not true. Not my words, their words. I just want to save you time. Islam is not true. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Now, um, Jesus said in verse 21, For then, when, when this guy who has a peace agreement enforced upon the people of Israel, when that happens and you see him standing in the temple, when will he do that? At the middle of the tribulation period. Second Thessalonians also verifies it. He will go into the temple and demand that the Jews worship him. When you see that happening, God said, get out of there. That's going to be the worst holocaust Israel has ever experienced. And after the one in Germany, we always say never again. But unfortunately, there's one coming. Jesus said there will be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, Israel was always called the elect, the chosen of God. Those days shall be shortened. Okay, friends. Uh, what I'm going to tell you, um, how should I put this? Uh, people tell me not to deliver this message. That it makes people upset. Well, um, I tell folks, I just want you to know that if I lose my teeth, I'm going to gum it to death. I'm not stopping. <laughs> we need to know the truth, and the truth will set us free. America, I think, generally is tired of the lies we've been told, even by the administration, our government, and now our Congress. This is a side thing, but I'm upset about our Congress. I'm really upset. Um, I was told by some friends of mine who are believers in the Congress that you will not believe what's going on in Congress. So I ordered a CD, two hours of it, of a congressional sec uh, uh, discussion on this health care stuff. I have it. I have listened to it. Two hours of the silliest, most awful congressional discussions I have ever heard in my life. It's like kids in a playpen. It's unbelievable with Nancy Pelosi yelling at them saying, you have to trust me. You don't need to read it. I got it on tape. That woman's a lunatic. I don't care if she is in the Bay Area. Look at what you give. No, I'm not sorry. But I was shocked. I was really shocked by what I heard. Two hours of it. So stupid, it's unbelievable. And I thought, those are the men we sent to Washington? No wonder we're in a problem. Okay, I said my piece. That's done. Yeah, I will have a little more, though. So here we go. I hope you're ready. Number one, what's going to happen? The hostility of Israel's enemies will increase. This is not easy. Um, I'm not a novice on this, and I'm not going to tell you all I know. I'm going to tell you enough. 
All right? Fair deal? Put them up there. These are Israel's enemies as listed by the State Department. The State Department is speaking with fork and tongue because it's our money that's supporting it. How do I know? Last week, for an example, one of our journalists from Jerusalem decided to visit the Palestinian schools that we support. Oh, you probably don't think it's a real big issue, but in the last 10 years, $341 billion we, of our money, has gone to the Palestinian schools. In there, he saw incitement to violence, suicide bombers telling him how to be that, and death to the United States and Israel. He is livid right now. Well, thank God he finally got his brain open. But you see, our State Department lists these as enemies, but in fact, we're putting a lot of money out. Now, thank God, we realize there have been corporations in America sending money to Iran all along for their nuclear weapon program. That's in the news, as you know, right now. Hamas. Oh, put it back up. Hamas. Hamas is supported lock, stock, and barrel by Iran. Hamas controls Gaza. They also have infiltrated all over the world. They have many terrorist cells here in the United States. Hamas is dedicated to the destruction and annihilation of Israel and all Jews on the planet. Number two, Hezbollah, called the Army of God, is in Lebanon. They now hold about 35% of the parliament. And Hezbollah also is supported by Iran and Syria, Iran's puppet in the borders of Israel. Number three, Islamic Jihad. They were the guys that assassinated the only cabinet member ever in Israel that's been assassinated. His name was Rehanam Ze'aviv. He was a great friend of evangelicals. He was the minister of tourism. And that assassination took place outside my hotel room. Five seconds more and I wouldn't be here. But you know, the Lord has a way of using things for his glory that we don't even suspect. I'm the one that found his body. I'm the one they interrogated for four hours. Um, even when the news said he's wounded, he was dead. He was shot three times right in the face, right outside my room. The Islamic Jihad did it, four of them. Israel finally caught them, put them in, a, in jail, then transferred them to the Palestinian Authority and they escaped. They were then hiding in Jericho. They were actually hiding in the prison in Jericho. And Israel went down and bulldozed the entire thing and found them in the last room. So they're back in prison again. But they got a lot more than just those four guys. El-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade started by Yasser Arafat. Those are children. He's the one that fostered suicide bombers upon the world, that trains the precious Arab children in the territories how to kill Jews, telling them that, uh, especially the men, that when they die, uh, they will go immediately to heaven. If they've killed three Jews or more, they will go immediately to heaven and have 70 virgins to have sex with forever. I just want to give you my um, intelligent remark regarding that. I believe that one wife is enough. 
Amen. <laughs> Interestingly, we have women bombers, and they've been asking ever since they were trained to be that, what do we get? <laughs> you get one seventieth of an, a man who's a Muslim in heaven who's killed three or more Jews. You get one seventieth of him, because you'll have to share him with 69 others. Not a real blessing in my opinion. We have also Fatah. Our president has called Fatah our peace partner. Uh, the head of Fatah, Mahmoud Abbas, also known as Abu Mazen, wrote his doctorate degree at Cairo, uh, excuse me, at uh, Moscow University, and it was on There Is No Holocaust. He is also the one who engineered the killing of the Israeli athletes in 1972 in Munich, Germany. I was there, I know something about it. He, along with Yasser Arafat, founded Fatah in 1974. I have a copy of their covenant. It calls 38 times for the annihilation of Jewish people and destruction of the nation of Israel. They call it an everlasting covenant. They got that out of the Bible. Therefore, they can't change it. They've been telling our leaders that. They just made it up in the late 70s. It's unbelievable. By the way, they were kicked out of many Arab, uh, so-called Arab countries, which are really Muslims. They wouldn't take them. They were terrorists. Maybe you've forgotten what happened in Jordan when the late King Hussein killed 30,000 of, of the men of Fatah uh, called Black September. And uh, there's only one nation in the Middle East that ever took them in. And that was a mistake. That was Israel. Israel's always been kind, um, overboard, so to speak, and it's cost them greatly. Fatah, apparently, is, uh, well, Abu Mazen, or uh, Mahmoud Abbas, as he's known here, uh, he threatened to resign, he said, because Israel wouldn't contain the peace negotiations, which is a total lie and fabrication. And I said so in a public meeting only two weeks ago. The fact is, I was right. I don't want to be right on this, but he was lying all along. They're not going to have new elections, and he's not resigning. That we all learned yesterday and today in the news. Well, you also can see up there Muslim Brotherhood. They're absolutely dominating Egypt. They've been attacking a lot of Christian tour buses, by the way, and they want to overthrow the Egyptian government, which are also Muslims. But they are radicals who follow Sharia law like they do in Iran. By the way, there's a terrible war in Yemen. Oh, and by the way, Osama bin Laden is not between Pakistan and Afghanistan in the mountains hiding. Why are we being told all these lies? I don't know. I have a picture in my library, which I got from the Israeli Mossad, and it shows Osama bin Laden on his horse in Yemen, where he has 700 bodyguards on camels carrying Uzis. You may not know this, it's hardly been reported. And I, I've been asking people why. I asked CNN, I asked Fox News, nobody seems to want to touch it. There's a war going on right now in Yemen. Over 30,000 precious people there, Arabs, have been killed. 
Why? Because it's a, it's a war with Al-Qaeda. They're trying to take it over. It's terrible. Muslims fight each other, by the way, in case you didn't know. Well, Israel has had, by the way, Osama bin Laden in their gun sites three different times. They immediately give a call to the prime minister. The prime minister then calls Washington, and the president of the United States gives the call. Three times now, they said, don't kill him. But then they have the intestinal fortitude to tell us that they're after Osama bin Laden? I don't believe it. First of all, the bin Laden family are the major contributors to the Bush Oil Company, okay? You know, there's a lot of things that people don't want me to say. And there's a lot of things I know, I, as I said, I'm not going to tell you. But I think we, it's time we start dealing with truth. There are things going on in high places. I tell friends I have high places, but most of mine are in low places. Uh, people in high places are corrupt, scandalous, immoral, and lie almost every day. I'm tired of it. I don't know about you. Of course, they write me off as just a preacher, you know, stirring up people. Now they're upset because they found out we have about 5 million listeners in 152 countries. So, you understand? And I'm not stopping. So if you're here at my demise, remember, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Don't worry about it. Amen? Amen. You're going too. Just a matter of time. Five of you are going tonight. No, I don't know that. <laughs> but I just want you to be ready. Syria, we don't know what to do with Syria. Bashar Assad, the son of Hafez Assad. And he now has given Israel trouble. They, they think they have Israel on the run. By the way, right now, the United States is having military exercises with Israel. At the same time, our president and the State Department is backing off of Israel. Do you know where the real Americans, patriotic, God-fearing, Bible-based, believing Christians are in America? They're in the military. I said it last night. I'll repeat it again. Our Joint Chiefs of Staff, four of the five, are Bible believers who are pro-Israel. Now, you tell me why our president is the only president in the history of the United States that didn't visit the Pentagon in his first month. He hasn't even been there yet. Whenever he has a meeting, he calls him to his office. Don't think the military doesn't know what's going on. They do. Some of the great believers in our United States constituency are people with high commands in the military, and I thank God for that. And we got a lot of guys in the military who love the Lord. And they've been distributing the Word of God, as I told you last night. We have now seen the last five years the greatest number of Muslims come to Jesus Christ in the countries where we're supposedly having a war. In Mosul, where they had so much trouble in northern Iraq, you should know this, that the mayor, though he's a Muslim, has opened the door for evangelicals. Welcome to our city. They got five evangelical churches. They are 
stuffed with people. The largest one has over 5,000 people, and Muslims are coming to Christ every single week. What's going on in this world? Well, we got a huge war culturally, militarily, politically, socially. In every area, there are those that want to get the Bible and God out of public life, and there are those who said, we are tired of what you're doing, and we're fighting back. Let's be careful what we're saying. We ought to obey God rather than men. I believe to respect our people, I always have, in their presence. Hey, even with Carter. I said years ago, he's a snake. But he's a Baptist Sunday school teacher. He's a snake. Didn't take us long to figure out him. Hey, I got photographs at my house of my wife and I with Jimmy Carter and Rosalind. In case you want to touch me afterwards. So many preachers go to Washington. I got friends who went to Washington, and Bill Clinton, who's the charmer of all charmers, charmed them right out of their theology. What's going on? People are compromising. Listen, we got to follow God, the God of the Bible. This is the book. This is the book. We got to be able to lovingly confront them because we don't agree with them. I don't agree with them at all. They're all messed up. They're not doing anything right. Same-sex marriage. You know why they're doing it in the courts? Because they can't win with the people. They tried it in Maine, as you know, recently, and they thought, we got Maine. Boy, liberal Maine. They're going to go for it. No, they didn't. They wiped it off the map. The fact is, they've tried it 31 times by people votes, in 31 states, they've lost every one. I wonder if there isn't a point there. Duh. <laughs> we got a problem, people. And we got it with the enemies of Israel. Iran, when people, you know, I got people talking to me about Iran. You want to know about Iran? Talk to the Persians that exited and escaped that country when the Republic of Islam took over you will then find out what the truth is. We should have been supporting all those precious dissidents back at the election this summer. The United States compromised, and they basically told these precious people, we're not going to be there when you need us. Instead, we're going to play games with the current administration and the stupid guy who's the president. Ahmadinejad. You know, I've been following this guy. I got his whole script of his message in front of the UN. I do not believe in inviting him to the UN to spout off. Now, they said, well, the reason we're having him come is that he will tell us the nuclear uh, situation and we'll all know the truth. Truth? Don't you know in Islam you have to lie to the infidel? So if you're not a Muslim, he's going to lie to you. He's under obligation to Allah to lie to you. He will never tell you the truth. So what did Ahmadinejad do? He talked about who is the Messiah. You know, I got to hand it to him. He's got a lot of courage. You know what he said? 
The Messiah is the 13th Mahdi of the Islam religion. He's coming in 2010. He's going to kill all the Jews and Christians that don't submit to Islam. Obviously, he does not have the gift of comfort. The guy's a lunatic. That's why I got so upset. I wrote the little booklet out there. Some of you have been looking at it, but not looking at it as you should, called Who is the Messiah? I gave it to Jewish rabbis. I said, if there's anything wrong, let me know. I'll try to correct it if it is wrong. They've written back and said, irrefutable proof. There's only one person in all of history who could possibly be the Messiah. We need to wake up. This is not a time to hide in our little Christian ghettos. This is a time. Don't be afraid of what men can do to you, Jesus said. And everybody's worried about being thrown in jail. We're going to get there anyway, it looks like to me, unless something happens. That's why I, I like going to prison. I know you don't. I heard that, Dr. Tim. <laughs> but those are my people in there. And it's a captive audience. I like that too. Iran... You know, I have really, I've thanked the Lord the last three days that we finally are doing something about all the fronts for Iran in this country. Billions of dollars, did you see the news? Billions of dollars supporting Iran's nuclear weapon program coming out of the United States of America. There are 57 terrorist camps in our country. And they tell me that unless they commit a crime, they can't do anything. Are you kidding? They asked Israel for help, and Israel came to help them. They helped them in New York, Baltimore, and Washington. And they didn't pay attention to anything they said. They told them about racial profiling. They said, if you see a man from the Middle East between the ages of 18 and 40, you arrest him immediately. Then you check on Interpol and find out everything about him, where he came from, where he studied, where he was trained as a child, everything. Of course, if we had done that, we wouldn't have the president we have now. You said, oh, no, not another birth thing. No, 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 a little bit more truth. There's an associate pastor, a friend of mine, who was Obama's mentor throughout junior high and high school in Hawaii. He even admitted yesterday that he was in Hawaii in junior high and high school. I know the man who mentored him the whole time. He had a serious drug, uh, drug problem. He was an alcoholic, and he smoked two packs a day, which he still does. You understand? A lot of people don't want to listen. I have a complete portfolio on him. He also was accused by his own high school of attending Communist Party meetings in Hawaii. The mentor, who's now a pastor, also warned him. But when he went to Chicago, that's exactly where he went. Do you understand? Something is really wrong with us. And now nobody can get anything on the guy? We can't even get his college and university records. What is going on here? But boy, did they make John McCain go through it and charge $50,000 to Sarah Palin for her to go through it. But our guy that we elected president wouldn't go through it? Don't you understand now why military guys don't want to respond to our commander-in-chief until you prove that he is a justifiable president? 
for the United States of America. I don't know if he is or not. I pray for him. I want to see him born again. I want to see him come on a TV and say, I have been wrong. I have given my heart to the Lord Jesus, and we're going to go back to the history of the United States. I want to see that happen. I think, I don't need a, a clap on it, really, I don't. Now, I look at all of this, and some of you are saying, oh, this is a political meeting. No, it's not. Look at number two behind this. Ah. You ask Israel, what's the problem? It's Islam. Do you know there's still a general alive from the War of Independence, 47, 48? He's still alive. He started the IDF officer school. He's a personal friend of mine. He was just in Israel, and he attended the military exercises of 1,500 U.S. Marines and five generals. They're in Israel still, working with Israelis. What for? Well, that's another issue. But my point is, we have a general who's been in all these wars. So I had him speak to our tour group. And a dear guy, General Shimon Aram. And boy, I hope when I'm 87, I can speak like him. Dynamic. He's one of the leading authorities on terrorism in the world. He's consulted by many governments all the time. And what does he say? The enemy is Islam, always has been. He said, the tragedy is that Americans have not taken the time to read and study Islam to know what they really believe. And this is causing tremendous problems in our country. Tremendous problems. Are there precious Muslim people who are trapped by an ungodly system? You bet there are. We've seen many of them come to know the Lord. Uh, we have on Hope for Today, but according to Arbitron, one of the biggest Muslim audiences of anybody on the radio. You understand, that's one of the ways they can hear something that they've never heard, to get the truth. And my heart goes out to them. And we're seeing plenty of them come to know the Lord. But I'll tell you, when a woman receives Christ, she begs us not to tell anybody. Once you read what, about what these men are going to do to those women, you, you just can hardly believe it. But here's the truth behind this. Put it up. I just want you all to know the real enemy is Satan himself. Revelation 12 tells us that very clearly. Satan wants to destroy the children of Israel. He tried to destroy the Messiah by killing all the babies in Bethlehem through Herod. And he's going to, in the future, we are told, unleash all of his ungodly demonic forces against the nation of Israel. It is the spirits of demons that God will allow to mobilize people in Armageddon. Number two, there are only 32 points, so hang on. No. The hatred of the nations will intensify. Israel's political leaders have told me to my face that we are alone now. You say, what would you say if you were in my place? 
I hope you'd say the same thing I did. I said, no, you're not alone. You and God make a majority. The Lord God of Israel will never turn his back on you. The hatred, Jesus said, you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And I never believed it would be America. In my opinion, you should take the entire State Department and throw it in the trash can, start all over again. It's very anti-Israel. Now, a few things I need to tell you. Number one, their motive is clear. Psalm 83 tells you, what is the motive? The motive is to cut off Israel from being a nation forever. They are all mutually agreed on that, even though they fight one another. The goal is the destruction of Israel. And God says the nation of Israel will never cease to exist before me forever. Number two, make no mistake, their multitudes are coming. Ezekiel 38 tells us, and Bible teachers are disagreeing over when that happens. Will it happen before the tribulation? Will it happen at the beginning? Will it happen at the middle? Is it the same as Armageddon? A lot of good men believe that, like Dave Hunt and Arnold Fruchtenbaum and others. And then after that, at the end of the millennium, we have Gog and Magog mentioned again in Revelation 20. Where is it? It also appears to be an Islamic jihad. When the countries are listed in the Bible of an invading force, the first one is the leader. Who is the first one in Ezekiel chapter 38? It's Persia, Iran. Who's Gog and Magog? We don't know. Some believe it's Russia. What it says in Ezekiel 38:2 is that uh, this Gog from the land of Magog is the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. The great uh, Hebrew scholar Gensetius and, and uh, others have said, well, those are phonetic equivalents in Russian. So Meshach would be Moscow and Tubal would be Tobolsk. The problem really deals with the word chief, prince. It is the word Rosh, from which we get the word Rosh Hashanah, first of the year. Rosh means head, chief, or first. And the problem is, is it an adjective or is it a noun? If it is a noun, there is plenty of proof that it's referring to Russia. If it is an adjective, we don't know who it refers to. If you want to read the best stuff ever written on this subject, it's currently in the past year in the Pre-Trib Research Center newsletter. And no, Tim LaHaye did not promise me any money to promote it. <laughs> written by Thomas Ice, and he would agree with me. How many lessons have we had so far? Like 26 or 27? How many? 33? How did I get so far behind? I don't know. Did you stop sending it to me? No, okay. <laughs> It's the greatest analysis of Ezekiel 38 and 39 you have ever read in your life. Written by Dr. Thomas Ice. And I hold those things dear and file them. It's fabulous. It's like getting the best commentary ever written on the subject. The multitudes are coming. God said so. Number three, the message is powerful. Jeremiah 30. It's a time of Jacob's trouble. Is God going to finish off Israel? No, he says he will not do that. But he will finish off all nations who thought they could attack Israel and hurt his people. The Hebrew prophets say that over and over again. Number three in the outline. 
the horror of attacks against Israeli citizens will not stop. I ask you, now that they're condemning Israel for their defense war against Gaza rockets by Hamas, and now they've turned it over to the International Court at Hague, accusing Israel of war crimes, where are the Americans who are standing up defending Israel? Israel has a right internationally to defend itself. What would we do if we had 40,000 rockets shot at us? The United Nothing, excuse me, the United Nations, not one time condemned Hamas and Hezbollah for sending 40,000 rockets in the last five years into Israeli communities. How would you like to get up in the morning and wondering if your children are going to come home? Number four, the biblical heartland of Judea and threaten is, uh, is being threatened. You know, the Bible says they will part my land. It says the Antichrist will do it. Daniel chapter 11. Uh, Joel warns anybody who divides that land is going to get the judgment of God. And we got administration now trying to divide that land. Hillary Clinton, I was there. She was in the same hotel where I was. Hillary Clinton compliments Netanyahu for saying he wants to get the peace thing going. Was very complimentary. Then the Muslims accused her of being pro-Israel. So the next day she became anti-Israel. She's a chameleon politically. And so what we have now is a very dangerous situation. And what she said this week absolutely makes me angry. What did she say this week? She said that all 280,000 Jews that live in Judea and Samaria must get out of there, including all the residents of East Jerusalem. By the way, they're going to fix your lunch. They're not mad at my message. <laughs> we'll be there in about an hour. A little less. I'm concerned. That land was given by God to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By the way, for those of you asking me the questions, haven't there been more Palestinian Arabs living in that land than Jews? That is the biggest lie I've ever heard. I'm surprised you even said it. First of all, there's a million Arabs who are full citizens of Israel, but there are seven million Jews. If you go back in history, what was before the War of Liberation? There were always more Jews than Gentiles or Arabs living in Israel. All the way through its history, clear back to the time of our Lord. Make sure you understand what you're talking about before you mouth off. Israel's being hurt by the fact that Bible-believing Christians are being deceived by pastors regularly. Like we don't care about Palestinian Arabs, are you kidding? Guess where the most care for the Palestinian Arabs is coming from? From Bible-believing Christians. Do you know our State Department just admitted that 90% of the funds that go to help people that really get to them are coming from evangelicals in this country? We don't hate Arabs. We love Arabs. I got many friends in the territories. When I go to Israel, I'm going to go to Bethlehem. They got a giant wall now and security, and it's not even Israel anymore, and you have to take your passport. And people, they keep telling me, don't go there now. You know, that's in total control of Hamas. I got friends over there. I'll just tell you one incident. When they first started doing this, we came to the border. I have a Jewish bus and 
driver and guide, two of them. And we came to the border, and I turned around to the people, and I said, I'm going into Bethlehem. I know there's 40 men standing there with Uzis in their hands, but I'm going in it. You, you don't have to go, but I'm going in there. I'm going to have lunch uh, at the Christmas store, which is run by a Palestinian Arab friend of mine. We're going to have a wonderful time. Good falafels there in shawarmas, but I'm going to go in there. I'm going to spend the afternoon in there, so you can sit on a bus all afternoon if you want. So I walked out, and nobody came out of the bus. They're all scared to death until they saw what happened. I went up to them, and the first thing I did, 40 guys across there with guns, I said, Hey, Mohammed! Half of them answered. <laughs> yeah, I'm not stupid. So I went up to the first guy, who I knew very well, and I said, hey, how can I give you the traditional hug and kiss if you have a gun in your hand? Give me that gun! I grabbed it out of his hands, put it on the ground, and hugged and kissed him, both sides, and boy, he smelled. But anyway, I started to walk away. I turned around, and all 39 of them dropped their Uzis and stood in line for their hug and kiss. I had to kiss them all. But you know what? It's, it's wonderful to go into such a hostile territory and hear them say, it's good to see you, David. So for those of you who might be critical about what I'm telling you, you know what? <laughs> you got to love people no matter what. You know what? You, you got to love them. You got to care about people. Don't get all ticked off because they're a little mad at you or something or because they have a gun in their hands. You say, well, what if they shoot you? Well, it's your time. <laughs> Number five. Let's hurry. But I know when we started. The hunger for peace is leading to serious compromise. I don't even want to talk to you about it. But I'll tell you two things. One, it's the leaders, put it up there, that are being deceived. Israel's leaders are being deceived. Well, don't be surprised. The Bible told you that. Ezekiel chapter 13, 1 to 16, the whole thing is worth reading. And number two, the lies are being told, and the Bible told you they were going to tell the lies also. Islam is masterful at telling lies. I read the Mufti in Jerusalem who runs the Temple Mount. He said, because he's a friend of Hitler, he said, if you tell a lie, make sure it's big enough and tell it often enough, and then the people will believe it. That's what Hitler said. Number six, I warn you all, the harm of replacement theology is hurting the nation of Israel. My Israeli friends tell me that all the time. Can't you do something? Yeah, I can do something. I wrote the little booklet called Replacement Theology. If you don't know what it's about, get that booklet. It's the best thing written. I know I wrote it, but it's the best thing you could read quickly and understand the problem. And it's in all 90% of our churches in America. Many of the people going to those churches don't even know that that's what the church believes. Number seven, I just want you to know before you get all discouraged that the hand of the Lord is behind all the circumstances which Israel now faces. You know, I love to talk to my Israeli friends about that. I said, I know this is a hard time. It's a discouraging time. But the hand of the Lord is in back of all this. Wow. 
Number eight. Oh, let me tell you a few things about that. The protection of God will shorten the days. We read that to start with. And number two, the provision of the Lord God will sustain his people during that time. And number three, the promise of the Lord God of Israel will guarantee their survival. This generation of people will never pass away till all of this is fulfilled. They are not going to wipe Israel off the map. No, because John said that, he is going to be wiped off the map. Number eight, the help that Israel desperately needs comes from the Lord alone. In this proclamation, we pray that Israel will put their trust in the Lord God of Israel, who has and will deliver them, even if all nations turn against them. Wow. Number nine, the healing of the nation will only come by repentance and prayer. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, God told Solomon after a great day of celebrating the temple in his bedchamber that night. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. I pray America will be healed also. And finally, by the way, little boy was sitting with his dad in the front row and he heard the preacher say, finally, he turned to his dad and he said, what does that mean? His dad said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> finally, the hope of Israel and the world, I want to hear some amens, is the coming of Israel's promised Messiah. Amen. Amen. Speak loudly because God's listening. Amen. He can easily zap you for your non-involvement. I pray he... No, I better stop. Seriously, I love this conference because it's theme. Jesus is coming. Amen. I'm hungry. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, these things are not easy. You even told us that. And I know a lot of people really resent it. And Lord, I pray that you would give us soft hearts towards those who oppose. You told us a servant of the Lord has to have that attitude if he hopes to see a change in the lives of those who oppose. Lord, I know it's your grace and mercy and love, your forgiveness, your long-suffering of what we need. I know it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. I thank you that the comfort of God comforts us in all of our trials. I don't know, Lord, what's going on in the lives of these people who so graciously came out and spent this Saturday with us. But I pray, Lord, that they will walk away with joy. They will walk away with comfort as they've never known. They will walk away with great anticipation that Jesus really is coming back again. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for all that you are doing. In the blessed name of our Lord Yeshua, we pray.
And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Pastor.